it went straight down the middle. Then it started to... So let's just recap the professional career, if we can, of one Sandra Palmer turning professional in 1964 at the age of 21. She had 28 professional wins, including 19 on the LPGA Tour. That is T29 on the list of all-time winners on the LPGA Tour. A couple of wins on the Japanese Tour, which we'll talk about. Uh, Money Leader and Player of the Year in 1975. So Money Leader, our our listeners will get a kick out of this. Oh, yeah, that's a heart right there. (laughs) (laughs) But you joined the Tour in, in 1964. A couple of big majors we're going to talk about winning the 1972 title holders, which was the final edition of that event, as well as the 1975 U.S. Women's Open with a couple of close calls following. We're going to touch on those as well. But uh, uh, what a career. Tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like those uh, first few months out on tour. Well, pretty scary, actually. You know, I, I was just, uh, I'd never played uh, at that level. And I'm not sure if I mentioned that my uh friend Sandra Haney I knew Sandra when I when we were just teenagers and she was my really my only uh, friend on tour so um, you know once you get out on tour it's you you just go off by yourself I guess I don't know you know it's like you're not following people around where do I go well I guess I did have to ask where you go but it's so different than it is today I mean I I'm not even sure I knew where the hotels were. I guess they gave you a list of where to stay, you, and you you did everything. You had to get there. There were no courtesy cars, and uh, so it wasn't. It it was not easy. But you know what? When you're young and you're following your dream, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So off we went. You remember that, don't you, Bruce? I sure do. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you made a you made a very valid point there, where you where you mentioned that you learned your golf on the tour on the LPGA tour, and and it's and it shows up in your in your record. It took you a while before you uh, broke through to a victory, but uh, like you said, you're probably learning all the way, still making a little bit of money. But uh, tell us about that first victory. Well, I I can't remember where the well my first victory uh, was in Japan. Was in Japan that gave me yeah. a lot of a lot of confidence. I was I don't know I had a a friend that owned um, uh, his name was Jiro Yamato and he owned a golf company called Rainbow Golf, and he invited me to uh, to go to Japan and I guess he's the one that got me the invitation to play in that tournament. And, uh, the men, uh, uh, Lanny Watkins was there and, oh, oh, I think Lee Trevino, that was an experience (laughs) meeting him. (laughs) Still is today. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He's he's still telling some of the same stories he he told back in 1970. (laughs) And they're still funny. He's, he's he's great. So, Anyway, in, the, in that particular tournament, uh, the women played in between. There would be a maybe the men would tee off, and then there would be the women playing, and then there'd be another man's male group. So, mm-hmm. so that was a big deal that um, that I won that tournament. I don't know you're familiar with Chaco Higuchi. Uh, sure. uh, 
she's in the World Golf Hall of Fame. And uh, we became really good friends through that tournament. But um, anyway, at that time, Chaco was, she was uh, getting ready to play in the, uh, over in the States. And at that time, you could play either the small ball or the, or the big ball. That's what we called it, the larger ball yeah. today. And um, I remember asking Harvey, I said, well, which ball should I play? And he said, he told me what the advantages would be for the small ball, that it goes farther, it flies lower. Straighter. Straighter, yeah, (laughs) and farther. But it wasn't as good around the greens. So I decided, because if if anyone's ever played in Japan, uh, it's very, very windy over there. And I played the smaller ball, but Chaco was practicing and getting ready in her turn, but she played the, the big ball. So she'd hit that ball up in the wind, and, of course, it would would take it. But uh, I probably wouldn't have beat, beaten her uh, if she'd been playing the ball that she was normal. But anyway, I did, and it was a, a big thrill for me, and we were good friends. So that yeah. that gave me some confidence when I came back to the back to the States to play. Yeah, of course, we're, we're talking about the 1970 Tokai Classic. Tokai, Tokai Classic. Tokai Classic. Yeah, uh, in so, Yeah, so first yeah. professional win. It was a 36-hole event for the women and 72 holes for the men. You remember what first prize was? Well, uh, it probably wasn't very much, but I have to say I was getting a I, – I did get a little stipend to come over there to play, so it probably didn't well, matter to me if I if I'd won. How much was it? Yeah, your stipend was probably oh, more than you won. Extremely them. more. Yeah. <laughs> Even back in 1970, I think they probably paid me thirty thousand or something to come. I have no idea why. Thank you, Jiro. He was my Thank agent. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bruce, uh, you can tell her how much the men got and how much the women got. Yeah, it's very interesting, and it gives us a great insight uh, of, of you know the early days of the LPGA compared to the to the PGA Tour. So, in that particular tournament, Sandra won. One thousand dollars as a first prize. So you're going to I'm tell me? I'm not sure who won the men's, <laughs> but um, uh, they only received ten times that. I think it was they a Japanese player. Yeah, I wonder what they. Oh, was it? Yeah. What do you think they paid Lee Trevino to come over there? Uh, I bet they played him more than ten. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I was trying to think. I think Curtis Strange was there too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so it was fun. Players. Fun. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about that first LPGA win, which probably served as validation for that first victory in Japan as well. This is the 1971 Sealy LPGA Classic. It's a pro-am at the Old Desert Inn uh, by two over Ms. Capone. Yes. um, um, We were there quite quite a few years, too. Um, Yeah, I was... uh, I'm not exactly sure how I stood going into the last hole, the last, but it was a uh, a celebrity. You played with the celebrity too, and I played with Joe Namath, and yeah. that was wow. really fun. He was great. He's he's a very good golfer, and he was wonderful to play with. And uh, all of the gals were excited to see him. He had beautiful blue eyes, so we all were excited to have all these celebrities playing in our event. But anyway, I was able to reach the green uh, or you could reach the green on the last hole. 
but I hit it into the to the right hand bunker and I took this one of the greatest shots I've ever hit out of the sand and it took one bounce, two bounce right into the hole. So I guess I went back and saluted Donna. (laughs) 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 She was standing out in the fairway, I guess. So anyway, but it was, I think the prize was $10,000. Okay. I'll tell you what, that was a big, that was big money. That was a big money then. Yes. That was the largest one. So, yeah. Um, So that's, you know, you were probably nearly seven years on tour before you got that first LPGA win. So, what was the mindset coming in? I mean, uh, you probably felt better having won in Japan, but that's that's a lot of learning. You know, it is. And, you know, every tournament, you know, you, I believe you're just trying to get yourself into contention. And, uh, you know, but usually it never starts till the last nine holes, even today. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but I don't know, you know, you just, uh, like I said, I just would grind it out and try to get better. I had a very good short game back then, and uh, I didn't hit a lot of crooked shots. So you got to fire up that putter. So that's how how it started. Trans, you know. I guess after that, I started having my getting a little bit more confidence. You know, the better you hit those shots, give yourself more chances, and uh, you know, I started believing in myself. Well, it didn't take you long to to validate here in the states either, because you. You won again in 1971 at the Heritage Open uh, at the Heritage right. Village Country Club in Connecticut, where you beat your Japanese I friend. I did. That was Haguchi. Chaco. Yeah, I remember that. I think I had to make a putt on the last few holes. I putted pretty well that week. She was a wonderful player, too, by the way. Yes, she, she sure was. was. Yeah, we'd hope to get her on the show sometime. That would be great. Yeah. 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 Uh, before we get into your first major, which was the uh, title holders, that was May of 29, I want to ask you about something else that happened in 1972, and that was the, the issue that came up with Jane Blaylock. Yeah, that was kind of a – well, Janie and I were, were, were good friends, and, uh, you know, I don't know. It's such a it, – it was just a horrible thing to – well, let's go back. First of all, the LPGA at that time, we didn't have rules officials and all that. The players did everything. We had a commissioner. Right. right. But the play, uh, you know, there was somebody that marked the golf course. And I think one year I was statistician. I kept everyone's record. And um, so there had already been a case after uh, Janie was accused of uh, – moving the ball on the green. And I don't really know exactly who that was that said that. It, it just it just ballooned. You know, I think it today it could have been handled, you know, a lot a lot differently. A lot and easier. It yeah. was. And it just sort of uh ruined a lot of uh, friendships out there because if you if you were friends with Janie or even talked to her parents, they were terrible to her parents. It didn't have anything to do with this, but that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. But I suppose one of the worst things that could happen is if you're accused of of cheating. And uh, anyway, it was finally settled and, uh, you know, still a lot of hard feelings. And I don't know today have, you know, and Janie's won like 27 times. And uh, in my mind, she 
deserves to be, you know, a, a Hall of Fame for the LPGA. I don't have enough wins to get into the LPGA. I had to go into the world. Now, which one? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah. the hardest Hall of Fame that there is to get in. But anyway, there was just some bad blood, so. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you were, uh, and, and there weren't many. You were a staunch defender. Of yes. I, I, well, I just, you know, I don't know. It just seemed the way it was handled was not uh, the best. So you have to have a friend somewhere along the way that stands up for you. you know, right, so. you do. Well, probably some good anyway, things came out of that, though. It I guess did. It, Great things came out of it. We in, in terms finally of had a governance yeah. changes, right? Right. Got a board, board of directors, all the things that a uh, that, uh, big organization like that should have. But, you know, the tour has just evolved so much, or, you know, through not just with, well, more so with the money, but just in general, how many people they have working for them now yeah. and the caliber yeah. of golf courses that they play, and it's just extraordinary. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? You look at the record that uh, Jane Blaylock posted, and every lady that won more tournaments than her is in the World Golf Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, it just reminds me of Pete Rose, you know. Yeah. Oh, isn't that the truth? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the 1972 Title Holders Championship. Hey, now, hey. this is a this is a major that some of our younger listeners probably not even familiar with, but it was your Masters in a way because it was conducted on the same golf course for many, many years at Augusta Country Club, just yes. right over, just looking down the I, down, yeah. down the hill at I, the big course. Exactly. I played. I believe it was my first year. I played Augusta Country Club, and you know that that. They used. They said that Augusta Country Club was was harder than, were, Augusta than Augusta National. National. <laughs> have you ever played it, Bruce? I have played it. Yes. Yeah, really yeah. hard. I mean, it had. Here I am from Texas, you know, and you know, there's not hardly. Well, the hill country in Austin is kind of hilly, but here I'm. You know, I'd never played on a course like that. You know, yeah. where you have to aim at the right rough and you also you know the greens were so rolling and that that was another thing that was so hard for me coming from texas you know going back east because the grass the bent grass the ball would sit down in that bent grass and i was used to the bermuda and uh it sits up a little bit better so that was a big learning experience for me to to uh you know i'm kind of a sweeper so (laughs) when i swing so uh when that ball would sit down in that grass, it was always hard. But uh, yeah, Augusta Country Club was really tough. And uh, 1966 was the final year it was held there. And then, yeah. for some reason, you may know, they brought it back for one year, and that was the 1972 title holders. 
Well, the uh, I don't really remember why it was uh, necessarily that was the only year. I guess it had to do with the money. But at that time, um, well, pine needles, um, it, the course is different now. They've redesigned it and so forth. I wouldn't even, I've been back there and I don't even recognize a lot of the uh-huh. halls. But Bullet Bell yep. set the golf course up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we played from the back of the tees oh, and we the did. 68 that I shot, I'm not sure it was a, Second Maybe round. My, my second, second round, round. yeah. Yep. Was probably one of the best rounds I've ever played in my life. And he would say he could not believe that I that I shot that. And I think I held out a uh, on a par four, I held my second shot out on one of the holes on the back nine. I don't know what happens. You know, sometimes you just go. <laughs> they didn't even have scoreboards out there, so I didn't even know what I was doing. I just played and then – Coming in, uh, uh, maybe I realized the last hole or two I had a substantial lead, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, you just <laughs> have a in, didn't shot you? lead. Kind of wanted a squeaker there, Bruce. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Well, only one by ten shots. Yeah, Boy, only one by ten shots. I tell you what, shots. beat a couple of pretty fancy players too: Judy Rankin and Mickey Wright. Finished second. But like I said, I didn't even know. You know, sometimes you you know you. You're better off not to know too much, right? Yeah. So just to give our listeners an appreciation for how good a, a, a scoring record this was across a very tough course, only player in the field to finish under par. Next two players were 10 back. But then if you go to Joanne Carner, who finished tied for 10th, she was 19 shots back tied for 10th. So you guys kind of lapped the field. <laughs> What can I say? (laughs) It was a a tournament that uh, will stand the test of time, I guess, for me. So I'm very proud. I'm very proud of that. And I have a nice trophy to show for it. I'm not sure, Bruce, if we've talked to anybody that had a 10 shot lead uh, in a major walking down the 18th hole. How does that feel? Well, like I said, it feels great. I mean, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how much you win by, as long as you win by one shot, right? But, yeah. uh, you know, I just one of those things that uh, it's hard to explain. Yeah. Well, if there were, if there was any knowledge of where you stood on the 18th tee, that had to be a pretty leisurely walk down the last. Well, I'm sure I was nervous, you know. It's like, <laughs> why do you get nervous when you're playing so well? Yeah. But sometimes yeah. you do. You do, yeah. You still had another win in the 72. You and uh, Jane Blaylock won the Angelos Four Ball Championship. Tell us about yeah, we that. Won I, the, that's a new one for me. I've not heard of that before. Well, it's the it's, it was a team event and uh-huh. uh, at Cape Cod. Yeah, oh, Janie. It was at Cape uh, Cod, huh? It was at Cape Cod, yeah. And, uh, you know, for a lot of years in there, this is a little thing that's <laughs> – it was considered a, a major uh, a win. And then a few years ago, they decided to to eliminate that as, a, as not an official – or I should say an official tournament. And then, in fact, uh, Beth Ann Nichols wrote an article about it in, in Golf Week uh, not too long ago about what happened to those two tournaments that should be considered mm. official 
official wins because and then and then they decided that they were unofficial. Mm. Well, today now the players play in the same kind of a format and if you win they're considered official wins. <laughs> yeah. I don't get yeah. it. Well, that's no. it's high, sometimes it's hard to understand. Okay. What can we say? The subject will come up again as we talk about uh but I could use those two, you know, who couldn't, you know. Yeah. Then that would help me with something else that I would like to get into. Yeah, but yeah. we've talked often about the arbitrary decisions made as to when's the dinosaur start as a major, mm. when does the Demorier start as a major, right? Yes. That impacted a lot of people in terms of their major it does. It certainly does. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go to 73. Uh, Bruce, that was a pretty nifty year for Sandra Palmer. I'll say. We only had uh, six victories in 1973, <gasps> starting off with uh, TV. Shu- uh, how do you spell it? Shizuko Central oh. Ladies in Japan. Oh, Central Ladies Classic? Yeah. yeah. What was um, Suzuki, wasn't it? Suzuki. Suzuki. Yeah, that, that, they made... Uh, didn't they make motorcycles? Aren't they still? Are they still in business, Suzuki? Uh, it's well, spelt a different way. If oh, I see. Uh, if, if it's Suzuki, it's spelt a different way. It's S I Z U O K A. Oh, okay. I'm Anyhow, sure. you won there. That was I great. Did, yeah. So I don't, don't remember a whole lot about it. I didn't get a motorcycle. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Wrong tournament. <laughs> Wrong tournament. But, you know, over there it's kind of it's fun because you – uh, well, back then, you never would consider taking a caddy anywhere with you. Gosh, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. when you go to uh, one of those clubs, you know, the, all the golf courses are out in the countryside. And so yeah. through the years of traveling, I don't know if the men um, do this, but we had to take buses and it'd probably take you an hour to the men hurt did. somebody. At least uh, an hour. One time, I think we took. I took a taxi to the train station, and then from the train station, the other destination was on a bus. You know, some of those uh, where they well, the golf courses, you couldn't even drive. You know, they you could only be in a car. I guess the roads are so narrow. Yeah, and uh, so it, it's always been a challenge there, but. Um, but anyway, I was trying to say that uh, when you get there, and I'm not even sure how you get your caddy. I guess they're assigned to you, but they have these uniforms. And Hollis, my first time there to to have that experience, I think I asked Hollis, Hollis, how do you find your caddy? And she says, well, I think she's looking for you, and be sure, and she's got a white cap on with a blue, you know, I didn't know. So I walk out there, and there's like a hundred of them, them. all in the same uniform. <laughs> so anyway, but the caddies were really good. But it's just amazing uh, what you pick up. I mean, they were, back then they didn't. No one spoke a lot of English, and uh, they might uh, on the golf course uh, tell you like they'd put a, a O up like this, and that you would putt. You would putt to the if the putt broke to the right, you would she would put her finger on the right edge of the circle she was holding up, and oh. that's, that's where I should play the putt or something. But yeah. they, they know, and they had these uh, Cori greens, which are 
kind of hard. They're they're pretty slow, some of them. And, Rainy, uh, too. But, yeah. And then, you know, when you would hit, if you hit it out of bounds, they would make a big, bit, hold up a big circle around your head. And that, that meant OB, which was a horrible <laughs> sign to get. So. Not good. <laughs> All right, so I've got to ask you, were you on bus number one or bus number two? Well, I was always on the fun bus, whichever one that one was. <laughs> You've heard a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, a lot of music and uh, a lot of beer and a lot of stories. In fact, you yeah. know, a lot of times you the camaraderie was so much fun when we would go to, to Japan mm-hmm. because sometimes you – when you're on tour, you might not even see your best friend all week because you have different times, and so yeah. everybody kind of goes their own way. But in, when you go out of the country, you're kind of thrown in together, and, uh, you know, you eat your meals together, and and the bus rides were fun, and the <laughs> stories were great. And I can remember one year, one time uh, I was paired with Joan Joyce. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. Joan okay, Joyce. Yeah, was a Joyce, famous yeah softball pitcher but anyway I had played with her and you'd never meet anyone that was any more enthusiastic than Joan and uh I'm sitting next to her on the bus and she starts telling me about her round that she did this she did that and I said Joan I saw every bloody shot you hit today I played with you (laughs) so so anyway through the years we always had a big laugh about that so Uh, bless her heart Heard a lot of great stories about those bus rides. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we even heard some stories about the moon coming up, didn't we? The moon? Oh, I don't know who. This would have been Ms. Ms. Sheehan, among others. who did that. Uh, We better save that for another. We'll save that one for later, right? So were you you in any of the karaoke contests? Uh, I don't know. I was kind of shy. (laughs) Probably not. But I had lots of laughs. Well, Lots it just life. sounds like you guys had so much fun on those uh, longer bus rides to and yeah. from the golf courses in Japan. Let's let's go on to uh, Pompano Beach Classic at Pompano Beach Country Club. You beat a lady we talked to yesterday. Oh, really? Betty Burfine. Oh, good for you. How is yeah. Betty? Good? Yeah, she's yeah. she's wonderful. Yeah. One thing I asked her, I said, Betty, I said, you know, your name's come up a lot on our podcast. Did you have a lot of second place finishes? <laughs> She said she did. She said yes. You know, she, she's a long hitter. She was a long hitter. Yeah, that's what she we heard. She was the first one to reach the, she probably told you this, the 18th hole at Mission Hills with an iron. Whoa. She no, had. She didn't uh, tell us that. No, wow. she was the first one. I was there. I saw it. <laughs> wow. But uh, she, uh, she has, she was a, a really good athlete. You know, I don't know. So um, how some people are. Manage to win, and some you think should win more don't. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's uh, who knows huh? all self confidence or something. So yeah, well, she got a major and she got a few wins, but she had a lot of seconds. She said yes, a lot of close calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you won with a birdie on the first hole in the playoff. In the Do you playoff. remember much about that? Uh, don't remember. It was a good golf course. I remember that, and I lived in Boca Raton at that time. So was good to be sleep in my own bed and and uh play that golf course. No, I don't remember. I did I do remember the last putt that uh that I had to make a putt to beat to beat her. 
And did you she went remember? to uh, yeah. <laughs> Did she remember much to... about that? <laughs> she did. Yes, she did. <laughs> Dare I ask what she said? <laughs> uh, I don't remember now. I'll have to go back and look okay. at the transcript. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you can always think, you know, I was thinking the other day, I I wish I knew then what I know now. Oh, my gosh. Some of those tournaments I played in, uh, in particular, the one we'll be talking about later on, I think, was the 1976 playoff with Joanne Carr. So if, if I just knew then what I know now, I think I could have won that. Well, that may come up later, too, by so, the way. So keep that, keep yeah, that thought in mind. That thought, yeah. Later. What could yeah. I have done? But in the meantime, uh, you go from this February win to a May win way up in Minnesota at the Keller Golf Course, oh, the St. Paul yeah. Open, and that was by one again over Jane Blaylock and Judy Rankin. Well, good for me. Uh, that's a that's a that course still is in existence, and uh, somewhere along the way, a few years ago, I had a lady come down that belongs to that club, and uh, in. In the clubhouse, you know, the men played there. I don't know if Bruce. We did. Were you? Yeah, I played there. You were. Sure. So you yeah. know what a, a small greens. Yeah. A lot of big Jack trees. Jack Rule won there the year that oh, I was right? up there. Well, yeah. anyway, you're. Did, how come you didn't win that one? Well, I, I didn't win that <laughs> many. Because you didn't play well enough, I know. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, they have pictures of all the past champions still up in their bar area, I, I heard. But, oh, that's um, nice. Uh, that was Patty Bird country, of course. It sure yeah. was. And yeah. uh, after that one year, um, it was called the Patty Bird Classic. But she would come out and and support that that tournament, and that was a real big thrill for me. I just was I had great admiration for Patty Bird. She Absolutely, was not only a great competitor, but she did those clinics, those Wilson clinics that were so funny and. <laughs> and uh, one year at the uh, PGA show, she was signing autographs, and every and the, the people were lined up the blocks. And every time someone came up, now she was she was not a young whippersnapper then, and she would just get up out of her chair and shake shake their hand. But if you came up with a golf ball other than a Wilson ball, there's no, no way, way she would sign it. <laughs> <laughs> She did thousands of those oh, clinics. Oh, yeah, she did. Oh, she was funny. Did you go to Florida to her clinic school? No, I wish I could have. I think you sort of had to be on their staff. Staff, yeah. yeah. I would like to have been. In fact, I think I I tried to talk her into letting me come, but Let it didn't work once. out. So, yeah. Yeah, when she did her uh, clinics at the tournament sites, I understand they'd They'd line a few of the other professionals up, and she'd put you guys through your paces. You know, you hit a hook, you hit a cut, oh, you hit a. Oh right? yeah. Huh? Well, that's pressure. Think, you know, I, I think back then you had to kind of do that a lot more. I don't know that players do that now. They just hit the ball at the hole. You know, maybe you. Yeah. You tell me, and maybe it's the equipment or that you can't spin the ball, but that's one thing Kathy Whitworth could do. If They'd that pin was, she would work that ball into the hole. That's how you get to Carnegie Hall, I guess, with those 88 wins. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word. 
and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle, quite a way.